0: They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning. This is the second half of Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Just let you know, you can call in at 319-527-6713. You can follow me on Twitter, at Joy Keys. Also check me out on Facebook, Saturday mornings with Joy Keys. And on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. Well, I have a wonderful guest on the line, and he's going to talk about not wanting to be poor. He doesn't want to die poor, and so he wrote a whole book about it. Um, His name is Michael Arsenault. Uh, he's on the line. I hope I pronounced his last name correctly. Michael, good morning.
0: Ar- yeah, good morning. How are you doing? Thank you for having me.
1: So how do you pronounce your last name?
0: It's Arsenault. Arsenault.
1: Oh, good. Okay, good. I just was like, I don't want to mess somebody's name up. No, 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 no
0: worries. I, I've heard the worst things. I'm almost numb to them. Uh, you, you did great. Oh, Thank God. You.
1: Look, I have I have a seven letter name, Joy Keys. It's like seven and like people somehow mess it up. Like somebody said it was Joyce Cheese or something. I, I was like, "What?"
0: Oh, don't know. People mess <laughs> up Michael all the
1: time. So I'm
0: just I'm just used to all the screw ups this fine.
1: <laughs> oh no. Well, thank you so much for coming on this morning and um your book is just wild. It's like a wild roller coaster ride, but fun, you know? Thank um, you. And you you bear your soul in this book. Were you not nervous before it came out? Were, were you scared? Did What What was the feeling before it came out?
0: Um, well, I mean, uh, I kind of, well, I haven't made um, any secret that I kind of wrote the book under a lot of duress. So um, of my 2019, which is when I wrote kind of like the bulk of it, uh, you know, in parts of 2018 as well. But I was going through a lot. So, honestly, it was a miserable experience. So that was kind of <laughs> driving it um I knew that writing about um I knew that I was going to write about student loan debt I will say I guess I didn't realize to the extent to which how much this might have actually really impaired me emotionally until I was actually writing like I had every intention of writing about student loan debt particularly private loan debt because um even though private student loan debt it's like maybe a hundred billion of the one trillion in student loan debt that disproportionately impacts black students. Like I knew I wanted to shift certain narratives and also lend voice to like a certain type of fight for a lot of black working class people, black college graduates in particular. Um, but I guess I didn't realize until I was actually writing like, wow, this really impacted you. I knew I'd be revealing a lot more because my first book, I Can't Date Jesus, um, that was a lot about like kind of forging your identity in terms of like pleasure and intimacy but realistically, yeah. I mean, at least for me anyway, um, talking about, you know, real e- economic anxiety, talking about money struggles, talking about how that makes you feel as a person, um, that's more, you know, um, that's harder for me to share than anything. So, I mean, I wasn't afraid. It was more like, you know, I already signed the contract. I need to, you know, I need all the dollars I can get to pay off this loan. And, you know, for, to be honest, and all jokes aside, I thought, is it easy to talk about any about this? No, but I think it's a greater purpose in the same way I can't date Jesus was like to me kind of like a greater purpose. So, um, I had, you know, no hesitations, but it did, you know, hit me that I'm like, wow, I'm really sharing a lot. (laughs) Sorry for that (laughs) verbose answer, but yes.
1: No, no, no. The the, the thing is, like you said, how this impacted you and how it impacts people on so many levels and so many areas. So like one of the areas is the types of jobs. You talk about that in the book, the types of jobs that you had to take, and turned down tell the audience about some of those jobs
0: well i make a okay so i mean and this is not shade to my publishing company but you know a lot of the book is kind of wrapped around this idea of like you know i went into all the student loan debt you know pursuing a dream and true enough i'm um, i did pursue a dream but you know if you read the book and really kind of like analyze it i clearly took a calculated risk i let you know like yeah i was taking a big gamble well, realistically, I was trying to not only attain a certain type of, you know, dream, but just social mobility and kind of explain a certain chapters. I'm like, yeah, I was writing the most lucrative, uh, you know, industry media to enter. No, but you actually can make real money. But what I couldn't control is that, you know, the Great Recession happened, and then media, as I understood it, imploded. So when everybody says, "Oh, you should have wanted to go be a teacher," well, I make more than teachers now. You know how much teachers are paid, and, and I know parents right now are like give teachers six figures. They deserve that much money, but we don't give them that. And then I make jokes about how other careers I could have done, like, you know, um, the foot fetish market. I also talk about, um, you know, not necessarily being a lawyer, uh, being a lawyer, you know, and yeah, I could have been a corporate lawyer, but I also would have kind of taken on a lot of debt. And then, you know, I might not actually really be happy um, because I think there's so many um, different avenues I could have went, but fundamentally like me trying to get a certain type of life I argue in the book, require certain type having, like I would turn out all this debt to have the access that frankly, most black middle-class people get to have, you know, like which is not maybe as big of a privilege to them, but you know, most people don't even get to be quote unquote working class in this country. So I try to kind of break that down and like add a little bit of nuance. And when I say about OnlyFans, I talk about basically people socially doing, you know, pornography or in other cases sex work. I try to be really, forgiving, not only because people, you know, are turning to it to support themselves, but also because, you know, people have these really nasty attitudes about how people make a living, and also have really nasty attitudes about people who don't make a lot of money, when realistically, there are not really a lot of structures for us to make that much money in advance, and that was what I'm really trying to get throughout the book in my very wild way.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a system, um, like racial, you know, injustice, it's a system, It's it's, it's bigger than just one person it's not just somebody calling you a nigger there's a whole thing going on that can stop a person doesn't mean you should stop because you didn't stop you know you kept pursuing and going forward whether you know you were fighting against you know people accepting you as being gay people fighting you against being a black male you know people fighting you because you know you didn't have as much money as they did um And why didn't you pay off your loan faster? Like the story with the old white lady. I can't even remember her name. but Yes, and old white people are still emailing me. Old white people are still
0: emailing me. um, You know, a few of my excerpts are going out. I I had an excerpt that went up at um, uh, NBC News' Think. And, yes, I've been having a lot of old white people basically not really read the piece, um, respond to a headline, and lecture me in that mighty white way. So it's it's funny. It's
1: funny now, money also affects people um in their relationships with their family, and you have a yes. beautiful chapter uh with your talking to your mom, which I mean why didn't you get a little paragraph that said, get a box of tissue and then <laughs> read this chapter oh, I'm sorry Talk I to audience about that, that. I'm making people cry um well okay. i was so I was near tears, I was like, damn, this is heavy, okay. <laughs>
0: Well, I write about, again, you know, it's a, there's an emotional debt, and I think this is true for any black person, no matter what class, because, you know, we're not born more often than a generation of wealth like the white folks. And so I say, you know, in a lot of ways, um, I talk about, in, in some ways, it's kind of, you know, cycles that we go through as black people, you know, again, systemic. Um, it also talks about, like, a quiet anger that we both share. But fundamentally, it is about the emotional weight that I carry, Feeling like my mother, who has been failed by so many black men in her life, respectfully including my father, um, and feeling like me attaching her name to my debt is another way of, like, one more person letting her down. And so I talk about mm-hmm. kind of like a little bit of my own history with anger and how I kind of, that came out, just you know, product of my environment. But, again, adding nuance. Because, again, I think a lot of these, you know, narratives are so, frankly, just corny, I don't have to say other than that. That way, you know, about millennials eating avocados and that's why the economy is blowing up. No, I mean, I was born, I just turned 36 on Easter. Um, I was born under Ronald Reagan. And the last 40 years has been the decimation of so many things the safety net, you know, the healthcare system, purposely soaking like immigrants. Like all of these things were intentionally designed to widen the economic gap to advance like rich people's interests. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to really just add a personal narrative to that because, frankly, I was so tired of reading about white folks and and their fake economic anxiety, which is really just them being kind of white whitewashed. It's like white reporters wanting to whitewash the narrative because they don't want to confront their people at Thanksgiving about the fact that they're racist and they voted for Donald Trump because they want to feel good to be white. I wrote about real economic anxiety that a lot of people are carrying regardless of race to be clear, because, you know, plenty of white folks that have student loan debt that have reached out to me already it's all types of people so they like you know debt is debt, but i think it really is important to have like a really black working class perspective particularly like southern black folks i'm from houston i'm writing about it from that perspective because i think it's really missing because i always hear about these southern people and, and poor working class white folks i'm like some people like not all of them but most of them are bigots like let's let's talk about people who are actually struggling struggling and the reason why Well, you know it's the other
1: it's the other yeah, it's the that other. they think is taking over their jobs, taking over their land, taking over their women, and the other needs to be blocked from this country. And we're supposed to block it with a wall. We're supposed to block it from, you know, by, by getting rid of health insurance. You know what? we even supposed to block it, and some people, this is conspiracy, by putting out a virus. Now, when a virus happens, who's going to be most affected by this virus? Poor people, people of color, people who are on the front lines who don't have any other reason to work. They have to work because they have to make money, and that work takes them out of their home into the environment where they can get sick.
0: Well, I won't won't swim into the pool of releasing viruses, but I will say that a lot of rich people are purposely sacrificing the lives of workers who are predominantly black in most of these states right now. For no other reason than their greed, and they don't want to extend, um, frankly, unemployment benefits. This is literally all about their greed and obsession with the elimination of the safety net because they, frankly, just believe in the most brutal forms of capitalism. In a lot of ways, I don't want to doubt speaks to that because, you know, we are all told that social mobility can be attained through education, through higher education. But the reality is you can get a six-figure debt or a bachelor's degree and not have much to show for it because wage stagnation impacts every American except most Americans don't think about it that way because we collectively all kind of chase this facade of like meritocracy or like wanting to also present like wealth because nobody in this country really wants to look broke because we vilify, you know, being poor. Um, yeah. But yeah. You know, it's Michael, all, it's now all let's talk
1: about, let's about your relationships, not just with your mother, but, how you tried to develop other relationships, and this weight of this debt kind of was like a backpack on you. Can you talk about well, how yeah, I that feeling like, of uh, yeah?
0: Well, you know, in a lot of ways, masculinity in particular, a man is kind of determined his worth by what he can provide in any context. It doesn't matter necessarily what sexuality. Like a lot of your, you know, a lot of it's like your personhood is determined by what you can do for yourself. But more than anything, a man is, you know. If you can't do X, Y, Z, particularly by a certain age, then, you know, that can weigh on some people more than others. And I think for me, it was allowing my debt to blind me of the things that I had achieved and things I had, you know, reason to be proud for, including just kind of keep Mm -hmm. going, if nothing else. And it made me kind of shrink myself in front of people and miss opportunities. So I kind of wanted people to kind of read that, you know, laugh at me being an idiot and hopefully not repeat my mistakes.
1: Now, one of the funny chapters, you wanted to be a rapper,
0: okay? I still want to be a rapper. I still want to be a rapper. You still want, I to, be still want to be a rapper? Don't laugh at my dream. I still want to be a rapper. Uh, yes. Um, you had a mixtape well, I
1: mean, called Cognac and Seleksa. Seleksa, <laughs> oh, yes. A shout-out
0: to the brown liquor of the elders and my old antidepressant, um, the generic <laughs> one I was on. I still now, want to rap, so we'll have to figure that out. You still
1: want to rap? Now, I the still, I, you We'll keep about. that dream out there. One of the things you talk about is people accepting you being gay, but also more importantly is you going through accepting yourself and how people may not realize that people who are gay, LGBTQI, have a different arc in their relationships. Like, you know, you were talking about which I thought was so important. Like, that should be on a billboard. Like, I'm in high school. I can't come out because my parents would then will kick me out the house or people will bully me. And then, so I'm not dating when you're dating. I'm not getting married when you're getting married. Talk a little bit more about that so the audience can understand what I'm saying. You know, it's, um, part of me also wanting to take out
0: the student loans was, you know, I had obviously careers goals and ambition in which I deserved to have no matter what I was, you know, <laughs> excuse me, um, um, what was born into. But for a lot of queer people, a lot of trans people, um, or however you, you know, not very identify. Reality, is, you know, people want to leave and go as far away for as possible for their inherent survival, and that could be something as uh, simply as just being able to live as themselves or to escape actual harm. I read literally mm. just this morning because what is sweet that you know internationally even domestic violence, domestic abuse cases, you know, to queer and, uh, ch- children is rising because people are taking out on their children in the same way. Sadly, and you know, it, it it makes me so angry, but like domestic violence in this country is rising against women and that's gonna impact, you know, queer children too. So, you know, some kids are being put out already. Uh, so, you know, there are a lot of different reasons why and also there's this image that people uphold of like what, you know, queerness or in particular like gay people as this political thing looks, looks like. They think of a like a upperly mobile white gay couple. Reality is as I point out I can't date Jesus, statistically black people have always self identified as LGBTQ and extra letters. More than white people, even despite being a smaller part of the population, most queer uh, parents are poor Black lesbians uh, in the South. And it's a lot. And the reason why the HIV crisis is so exact is so much worse than us in Black and lex, and Latinx people is not because of our uh, sex our habits. We're actually practicing safer sex at healthier rates than whites. Problem is obviously access to healthcare. Honestly, even the chapter, not to detract from your the questions, still leads into it even though he wasn't. I um the title chapter I don't wanna die poor, I referenced my Uncle Terry. This is this, um he died last fall. He had cancer, but he was actually he was homeless in Texas, a red state does not never expand Medicaid. They make it very easy as they do throughout this country, no matter where you are, to die if you don't have money. Same for queer people, but if you're poor no matter what you are, you are the most vulnerable. Why so many of us are dying now? But it is, it is important to acknowledge, like, the queer aspect because people think, you know, like, this, it's really this stupid thing and kind of rubbing that 5G stuff. But, like, it's cool to be gay, quote, unquote, like, the gay agenda, the discrimination of black and all these dumb things that, like, literally make my tongue want to run away from home. have not even say it out loud. <laughs> but the reason why it's important to kind of, like, you know, thank you for even asking that question is because, like, no, we actually would be doing all right if it's the same with black people at, because we people are people, but just treat us, you know, with respect, give us actual resources, we'd be all right. It's not because, you know, we're like... In You're lazy. It or it's because, yeah, it's yeah. because people make it... Our parents make it sometimes dangerous for us to live. The government does not provide any safety net. Society at large has a whole ways to go. These all inform the choices people make, including taking out student loans. Because if I had stayed yeah. in Houston... God knows what I would have become or if I'd even still be here because you have to be yourself.
1: Yeah. One of the things you talk about, again, going back to the student loan and the debt and the things that it makes you do, um, you had to try to write and you were trying to keep focus and you started using, you know, some Adderall. um, And you talk about how other people try to get you maybe to use Coke um, and and it kind of went. Oh into...
0: no, I never. I, when, uh, I was. I, I'm sorry. I never have been offered coke. I've mentioned how people don't ever want to give me cocaine. I just don't seem like the type that would try it. Um, I had an attitude. Yeah, but no, I no, make no. Yeah, you, about didn't how people,
1: you didn't do it. No. How, yeah. I think about but how people think
0: they're better than uh, cocaine, but then they're on Adderall. Well, you know what? Just um yeah. If you read, I can't do Jesus um, to connect. You know both. Um, well, actually, you don't need to read both to be clear. I want you to buy both, but you don't need both. But even I don't want to be that poor, I make clear like when you overwork yourself, even from home, as a lot of people are learning, you can work yourself to death, uh, to death or you or can really kind of drive yourself crazy. Home can quickly become a dungeon, especially when you have to perform, particularly when you're always worried about money, especially when some of these people are losing their jobs. So that will eventually take a physical toll on you. So in my case, it was just became, you know, if you follow, for those who have followed my work since even I was blogging, I have put out a lot of work. Um, that is not a boast. That is more of a testament to wage stagnation and the fact that most of us, again, in some capacity, are working more for less. But you do what you got to do to get the bills paid. That said, it can be hard to focus. So I mentioned turning to Adderall the way a lot of people do, but that's even to the case of like people in law school, grad school. Americans are just generally overworked and we're not paid enough and our minds can't keep up. But I write about it from the perspective I come from addiction. I have some attitudes about not – I actually never really had a judgment about addiction itself, even if it impacted me harshly directly. But I, but I write about how easy it is to fall into that one way or another because, again, we're all just kind of pushed to the limit unless you're really just born with, you know, excess already.
1: One of the things is that you talk, like you said, you never really – with your father, you became compassionate and could see his maybe slip into alcoholism. Um, so, so as you got older, you were able to kind of more, have more compassion for him. I think society needs to have more compassion for people, who, kids who are taking out these loans. And and like in your book, you also mentioned it's like, well, you say I should get my degree and then the doors are to open for me but then I'm also going to have this backpack of debt, you know, it's like, should I just not go to school? I mean, what do you think? Should, uh, should, should people exactly. should not
0: go to school? People have been asking me since um, the you know release of the, um, I Don't Want to Die Poor if I would um, go back and not do it again. And, I, you know, I always say, you know, respectfully, that's the wrong question to ask. Because the reality is if I had not done all of those things, I probably would not be in the space to be talking to any of the, you know, the persons asking me that. Um, yes. In fact, my, I don't really necessarily – I don't call – I don't have a regret because I think, frankly, you know, where would I be if I didn't do this? The question should, is to be why should any of us have to go through any of that? Um And, no, I I mean, I would have to do the same thing again because, again, like, what else? What other options did I have for, like, what I really wanted? Um, I think maybe I just wish the really attractive recruiter that I mentioned at the beginning of the book, I wish I had seen him a year sooner so I could have hustled a little bit faster. But, no, I mean, I wouldn't be here if I didn't do any of that. And the question should really be why should anyone have to go through so much to even just get a fair shake? And it's not even completely fair because I'm still black
1: you will also like you said that that the statement you made about it, if you had seen a recruiter a year earlier that goes into the issue of access and knowledge and generational right. knowledge you know like people not knowing history people not knowing there were scholarships that you could have applied for and then you talk about scholarships that were related to lgbtqi and you were afraid to or it, it seems to me i got that you were afraid I was or afraid ashamed to come, to. i wasn't out then Yes, exactly, because you didn't have the support I went from an
0: out. else $10,000. I didn't have the support. I won from else $10,000. I, I can say for sure, I will say that if I had come out my senior year, I probably would have been able to amass enough money to not pay for college. I probably would have been a better mental state throughout the beginning of college. But there are a lot of big what-ifs, because fundamentally, if I came out my senior year, would I have been in a supportive environment for that? Absolutely not. So, you know, it could be like, yeah, if I came out sooner, I'd have a bunch of scholarships. You could also say, yeah, I came out, I might have been homeless. Well, not only if my mom would actually put me out, but I would have felt even worse. And God knows what kind of depression like that could have led to because, again, Mm -hmm. I've already Mm -hmm. been through enough.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's another thing that you talk about in the book is the money weighs on you, not just physically. We talk about relationships, talk about family, but also uh, mentally, the, the weight of this, um, money and the anxiety, you know, you talk about I get ahead and then I get behind, I get ahead, I get behind. They're calling you even on Christmas time. They're calling you, you know? Yeah.
0: That's the, that's a private loan lender, because that's what happens when you allow private corporations to be in charge of things that they, you know, as I argue, shouldn't be. um, And yeah, you know, frankly, a lot of this is, I'm again, I just turned 36, and this is the second great financial crisis of my adulthood. And this one is already, even if they're not frankly just saying it, it it already boasts um, stats that are worse than the Great Depression. So, you know, um, one of the things about I Don't Want to Die Poor is that, you know, whether or not we want to admit it or not, our fate isn't always in our control. So you can't always control how things go. You can only control how you react to the conditions that, you know, life presents you. But, yeah, it sucks. And I feel bad for a lot of people because, you know, this is the first time in our lives we actually felt like we had security. And now our fate is in the hands mostly of a racist game show host. So, yeah, I hope (laughs) people buy buy, I Don't Want to Die Poor and, you know, agree with me together. We'll get through this somehow. If we wash Um, our hands and stay home.
1: I was a single mother, and I remember I couldn't continue my education because they were holding my grades because I still owed money. Yeah, And that's another it thing. It is I designed to keep you
0: in shackles or debt.
1: Exactly. Like, I want to get ahead. Yes, I'm not lazy. I want to learn. I want to get a better job. I want to do all these things. But because you are shackling me, like, I'm, I'm, I can't move ahead so you 're stuck in this like you know gray you know the twilight zone, and it's happened to many people. I had a friend went to uh, Drexel for three years, and it just got too much they they couldn 't keep paying, and now they can 't finish their degree because they have all this debt, you know, so it is the systems they need to be out there they needed to be supportive of some of the things that the presidential candidates were talking about were eliminating. Student loans like Warren and uh, Bernie Sanders, which you bring up in your book. Um, Do you think Biden is going to help with any of that if he gets elected?
0: Um, Well, Joe Biden has actually already um, taken up some of Elizabeth Warren's um, proposals, at least an adaptation of one of hers. Um, Bernie is flat out canceled debt for everyone, which is my preference, but Elizabeth Warren had a more measured. Um, one particularly for people who make under $100,000. From my understanding, what I read, Biden has adapted um, not completely Elizabeth Warren's plans, but a a close version of it. Um, But, well, actually, no, it's a much smaller cap for people, but he does make greater allowance for black college graduates. And as a black college graduate, again, who highlights in the book how black college graduates are disproportionately impacted By student loan debt, particularly predatory private loans, which is essentially the uh, educational equivalent of a subprime mortgage uh, loan, and they've been targeting us for a very long time, and more people need to be mindful of that. Um, That is actually encouraging, because Biden putting emphasis on black college graduates will help offset part of that disparity. That said, it still isn't enough, and it does give us greater incentive to push him because now more than ever, we've—I mean, the studies have already shown debt cancellation would actually be good for everybody else. Anyway, me is what I try to tell people is like, even if debt cancellation happens, whichever version happens, it wouldn't apply to me. But I would feel no ways about it because it's not about me. It's not about people keep saying, "Well, I paid off my loans; you should too." That is your selfish attitude. Now more than ever, are we living in like a dumb parable where people are constantly we're being reminded? Our fate rests in a consideration of the next person's plight or the next person just generally. So if you can't be considerate enough to think, you know what, I don't want anyone to suffer the way I did. That's my attitude. That's how I see it. I'm for that cancellation. I hope my book helps people want to, like, talk about it more, and annoy the hell out of their local re- uh, representatives, and annoy the hell out of Joe Biden. He ain't got nothing else to do. <laughs> but sit at home and try to figure out what the hell you want to talk about. You know these, these current allegations about him, or outstanding allegations. So you know, push him. We we got to get him. The Democrats have not been doing enough, um, and we really didn't talk about debt cancellation because who got who got the money to give give him? So they still the problem people are still gonna call you on Christmas. They're not calling me cause I'm gonna cut them out because we're getting rid of that. But they're still calling, so I think we should really talk about it more. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you, Michael, for coming on the show this morning. Everybody, please take, so much, uh, go go and buy a copy of Michael's book, I Don't Want to buy Die For. And I'm also going to be giving away some copies, so follow me at Joy um, Keys on that. Twitter and uh, Saturday mornings with Joy Keys on Facebook. No problem. Um, I thank you again for taking the time out this morning, and I wish you luck and helping other people get rid of their student debt. <laughs> thank
0: you again, and you stay healthy. Bye, y'all.
1: Okay, bye-bye. Thank you, everybody. So, again, check out Twitter, at Joy Keys. Check out Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. And on Instagram, you might want a copy of Michael's book. Also, I still have some CDs of Terry Lynn Carrington's uh, waiting game. So if you want to get those, you can uh, check me out on social media as well. You guys have a wonderful Saturday, and stay safe. Remember to cover up, wash your hands frequently, and uh, be kind to your neighbor and the mailman. Or male woman. (laughs) Bye-bye. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. (laughs) Hunt down that killer shark. (laughs) Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke, sudden weakness on one side, or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit CDC.gov. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?